We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Loving. And on this episode, we are going to break down that game a little bit. But the biggest story is the lack of what's going on at Hallis Halls. There's a lot of radio silence here as we record on a Tuesday night. Before we get into all that, though, let's welcome Aaron in. Aaron, how you doing, man? You know, I'm uh, I'm here. <laughs> it's <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny because I was just sitting there watching that, you know, watching the game on Sunday and my girlfriend's like, why are you more mad? It's like, I, I mean, I think we both expected it. You know, it's just one of those, there was no clear path for the bears to, to make a playoff run this year. And, you know, as unfortunate as it is, you know, it just, it is what it is, man. It's, it's kind of one of those things about the time that they got down 14 to three, my thought process, you know, quickly turned to who's going to get fired tomorrow. And, you know, obviously Monday pass and nothing, and we're recording this on a Tuesday night and still nothing. I mean, as of, as of right now, I think it's going on 14 or 15 hours worth of conversations between uh, ownership and Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy that the decision is this long, especially when you consider just, you know, how the McCaskies have run and how things have gone over the last few decades. I mean, none of this is really surprising, but this is a really bad time for the bears to have their hands tied behind their backs and not know what's going on. Yeah. It's kind of odd, man. It's, you know, when we got the email on Sunday night and they really didn't have um, anything scheduled for pace and Nagy, but they did have the players scheduled for Monday morning at nine. It was kind of like, okay, maybe, you know, they'll just wait to announce it for Tuesday and Monday passed. We talked to the players, nothing, um, no email today. As we record this on Tuesday, it's about five o'clock Chicago time. And so far, nothing, not even an email. So I think, you know, the big thing we're going to get is 
there'll probably be some news leaking out if there are some firings. But the other thing to look out for is the email, because if the email says we'll have Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy um, availability this week, that means they're probably coming back. Uh, Generally, they don't talk if there's a firing or anything like that. So the email will probably be the biggest thing if, if nothing leaks before that. And as of right now, it doesn't seem like anything is going to leak because it's been silent all day long um, here Monday and Tuesday in terms of, of stuff at Hallis Hall. We have a lot to talk about with that. Let's get into some more stuff after we hit this break. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome back into the Bearport Podcast. Yeah, and as I was saying before we went into that break, I mean, it's been radio silence and for me, that can mean one of a couple things. I think, you know, that they're still going over their options, still talking. And what Dan Weirder of the Chicago Tribune has reported that Matt Nagy has met with George McCaskey at least twice now. So I imagine that probably happened late Sunday, early Monday. And then once again, today on Tuesday, the other option is they're just going to kind of run it back and maybe Nagy and Pace have come up with a plan to present to McCaskey and it's kind of winning them over. Or the other one, and this is an option that's kind of been talked about a little bit, is potentially moving Ryan Pace into a different role, keeping Matt Nagy, um, maybe you know using Chuck Pagano as a scapegoat and bringing in a new GM and letting the new GM kind of decide the fate on Matt Nagy. I don't know how realistic that is, but right now, I mean, I think that's pretty much the three options that are on the table. Yeah. It's, it's just a tough situation. I mean, you're, you're looking at, it feels like a lose lose right now. It feels like a situation where again, there's so many teams looking for general managers. There's so many teams looking for head coaches. The bears already got a week, uh, you know, late start on this whole thing because they made the playoffs. And now you're talking about another few days of a late start. And at least from what Dan Weeder reported earlier, um, you know, McCaskey isn't uh, George McCaskey is not a guy that really has a bunch of names lined up on a short list ready to go. So, I mean, you're really talking about, you know, starting from scratch and let's just say, hypothetically speaking, let's just say that Ryan Pace is fired. He's not moved. He's not anything. He's fired. Then all of a sudden, are you going to hire a firm, you know, to really get the GM search started? You know, it, it's one of those things where there's just a lot of, I mean, really the the easiest way, in my opinion, the easiest way would be, you know, obviously to probably let things stay, but I, I just don't think you can do that. I think the other easy way would be, you know, fire Matt Nagy and look for another head coach, but how can you give Ryan Pace a third head coach at this point? Again, I mean, they're, they're already behind the curve. They have nobody else trusted within the organization because of how they structured everything. I just, I, it's, it's really hard to fathom how this is even a conversation right now. And it doesn't sound like anybody's really prepared to make a decision one way or another it, to me, it sounds like George McCaskey knows that changes need to be made, but his personal feelings for both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are getting in the way. And that is a microcosm of everything that has gone on with this franchise for decades now. And again, I just, I don't know. I mean, what the heck is taking so long, you know, make a decision, you know, you just get it done with, get it over with. If, if you're going to get a new GM, if you're going to get a new head coach, rip the bandaid off and move forward. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, in a weird way, maybe this delay does mean that, you know, they are going to bring back Ryan Pace. They are going to bring back Matt Nagy and run it back. I think, you know, there's been reports out that no one really feels safe right now. Um, you know, everyone's kind of on edge at Hallis Hall. I still, my personal thought and my personal guess is that I think if anyone's really safe outside of Bill Lazor and, and Chris Tabor right now, it would probably be Matt Nagy. Um, I think that win streak and getting him into the playoffs maybe convinced George McCaskey, even though they looked awful against the Packers, they looked awful against the Saints. And I really wouldn't advocate running this whole thing back because I don't think the offense has really improved under Matt Nagy in his three years. And we're talking about a guy who came in and, you know, the Bears towered him as an offensive genius, a guy that learned from Andy Reid, a guy that's going to bring the Bears into the modern day NFL with an offense. The offense was just brutal. And, you know, part of it is not having good quarterback play, which not all that's Matt Nagy's fault, but he also went out and tried and got Nick Foles. He was the one that, you know, probably convinced Ryan Pace, let me get Nick Foles and let's kind of make another run at this. I just, when you look at this Bears offense, man, I think there's a stat out there of the 50 something games that Matt Nagy's played. They've scored one touchdown or fewer in 18 of those games. This year, they were dead last in third down conversion. They had four games where they converted just two third downs, and it came out to be like 18%, 18%, 10%, 11% in those four games. That just doesn't cut it, man. You can't score. I mean, you have to score in the NFL, and this Bears offense can't score. They had nine points in the playoff game against the Saints, but let's be realistic. They really had three. Take off that touchdown. I guess you can make an argument that Javon Williams should have caught the ball. He should have, and maybe the game changes a little bit, but their offense just wasn't moving the football at all. They, the run game couldn't get going. Mitch Trubisky wasn't very good. I mean, I don't think he played awful. I just don't think he's very good. And his play wasn't good enough to win you the game. They just offensively looked really bad. And when I look back at this game, I don't know how much you agree with this, because I do think Chuck Pagano does deserve some blame for taking over a number one defense and it's kind of declined over the last two years. The defense held the Saints 21 points. That's the fewest points the Saints have scored all season long. They held them to seven points in that first half. And they still had a chance to win, and the offense couldn't put up the ball, put up any points. You look at week 17, the Packers got three touchdowns in the third quarter. I mean, second quarter, I'm sorry. They didn't score a touchdown in the third quarter. And the defense gave the Bears offense an opportunity. Hey, we're holding them. We're slowing them down. We're going to get you the ball back. Go down and score. What does Matt Nagy do? He kicks a field goal in one situation and then they, they turn it over on downs in another. And then it kind of just the floodgates open because you're not going to hold green Bay, you know, down like that. I mean, I mean, it's just brutal to watch an offense like this in the modern day NFL where it's passing attack and your teams are putting up on average 26, 27 points a game. And the bears are struggling to score, you know, 15 to 20 at times, which is embarrassing. Well, and I think pretty much what we learned out of that and the whole other aspect of this is obviously the offense you know in terms of the decisions that they need to make is is the offense I mean and a lot of that starts at the quarterback position and I think once again we saw uh, on Sunday that clearly Trubisky and Nagy are just not going to work I mean it's just simply not going to work because Matt Nagy's offense is not putting Trubisky at his you know at his best and I mean I just don't think Trubisky really fits the offense but two and more importantly, 
uh, Nagy doesn't trust Trubisky at this point. I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, we, we've seen it over the last few weeks in their two biggest games of the season where it's basically turned into they're barely throwing the ball downfield, although they did throw the ball downfield a little bit more uh, this game than they did the last, and Trubisky was more successful. But for the most part, you know, you're basically hoping that you can rely on a run game and get something going. And then, of course, the Bears, you know, of course, abandoned that because they couldn't get any anything going early and they weren't successful and they abandoned that. And they were passing the ball a lot on on first down, running the ball on second down and putting themselves in a ton of third and long situations. They didn't convert a third down until the last drive of the game when it was already 21 to three at that point. I mean, that just kind of goes to show you how bad this offense has been. But again, and I know there's been reports come out that basically the bears are going to kind of weigh their options at quarterback. You can't bring Trubisky back. You cannot have Trubisky and Matt Nagy and, you know, running this offense. It's just, it's simply not going to work. And, you know, again, I'm still of the belief that Matt Nagy is not going to lose his job. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think either way, I mean, even let's just say that they, let's just say hypothetically speaking, and probably by the time most people listen to this, will probably be a resolution, but let's just say hypothetically speaking that, you know, that the, the Bears decide that they want to basically just start fresh in terms of a GM and a, and a head coach. I think at that point, you're kind of going back to at least a retooling stage where you say, okay, you know, admit the mistake on Ryan Pace, admit the mistake on Matt Nagy, if that's what they choose to do and if that's what they believe is the, is the case. You also admit the mistake on Mitchell Trubisky and you move on at quarterback, whether that's Nick Foles and, you know, you figure something out as a draft pick or, uh, you know, you, you go the cheaper route and a veteran route like Ryan Fitzpatrick or something like that, or whether you try to make a bigger move like Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, uh, maybe Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford. I don't know. I mean, Derek Carr, I mean, there, there, there should be a decent amount of options. I mean, a lot of them are going to be harder to obtain. But if that's the case, if that's, if that's what you're going to do, then that's what you got to do. But it's tough because the Bears are in a situation where they don't have a ton of cat space to really fix this they've got uh, you know an issue on the offensive line they've got an issue at receiver because Allen Robinson has made it very clear that I don't think he wants to be here at this point I mean okay the Bears are going to tag him or I think they will tag him more of the point uh, but at that I mean that doesn't really solve a whole lot and again you don't have a whole lot of money so where do you start I mean if you look at a lot of the teams over the last few years look at the Browns as a prime example they got their quarterback they started fixing their line they added weapons right I mean, in some way, shape, or form, that's the route that you have to take. I mean, the, the Bengals kind of did the same thing with Joe Burrow where they took the quarterback and then, you know, they started kind of developing the offensive line. But I think at this point in time, you, you've got to have one of two things if you're going to bring a younger quarterback in, and that would be either an offensive line or, you know, a, a better weapons. And right now, I mean, the Bears are going to be heading into the offseason without a number one receiver a lot of questions on the offensive line, a lot of questions at the quarterback position. And really right now, a lot of questions with who the coach and the GM are going to be. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of decisions to make and not a whole lot of resources to be working with. And I think it's also worth noting because the bears, even though they did basically because the bears made the playoffs and even though they lost because Washington lost, the bears are still picking 20th overall in each round that they, they hold their own pick in. So, I mean, the bears are going to be picking 20th overall in the first round. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of hyping up Mac Jones and that's something we can dive into way, way, way later on down, uh, down the line over the next few months. I know a lot of people are hyping up Mac Jones as a top 15, top 20 pick. I don't see that, but I do think uh, with the Bears sitting at 20, I think there's a pretty strong chance that you could see three, maybe four quarterbacks go within the top first, I would say probably 10 to 12 picks, which means again, you know, how, where do the Bears stand? And I think a lot of that is going to um, come to fruition once we figure out what they're doing with their leadership roles. And I think a lot of that obviously starts with the general manager.
I'm kind of glad you brought the, those points up Aaron, because I do want to get a little bit into the off season moves here. We're going to hit that right after the break. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back in the bear report podcast. And, you know, Aaron, you brought up Alan Robinson. Um, I was in that presser Monday morning and my gut from listening to him and everything that he said was just red flags that he does not want to be here. And the question that really did it for me was, I believe it was Pat Finley said, you know, are you okay with the, with the um, franchise tag and, and uh, Robinson kind of said, well, can I plead the fifth? It is very clear. He does not want a franchise tag. If you follow him on Twitter, he's been very adamant that he does not want to be tagged. The other quote that was very interesting to me was when he said, I feel like we've had a chance to get something done over the past 365 days. And that's a shot at the bears, you know, in terms of, look, you had me, you had me, my agent, at the negotiation table, we couldn't get it done. I presented what I want. You guys presented what you want. We couldn't meet in the middle even. And it's pretty much all over. I think the bears will tag him. I don't think he'll be very happy about the tag. Um, I don't know if that hurts our chances long-term with him, but watching Allen Robinson, a number one wide receiver, you need a complete overhaul in the offense. You need to get a quarterback. I mean, maybe not complete, but you need to get a quarterback. I still think you need another playmaking tight end that could complement Cole Komet. You probably need another wide receiver because whatever you have in Javon Wims, Riley Ridley, it isn't really working. They're not going to be able to replace Anthony Miller if you move on from this year or next year. You're going to need probably another running back, even though Tariq Cohen's coming back, and you need two tackles. I just can't get over them or letting a player like Allen Robinson walk out of that building, a guy that's a number one wide receiver, a guy that that is a playmaker on that offense, and it's just, for me, this is heading down a road of, of just complete disaster with Robinson signing elsewhere um, and, and the Bears just completely botching the situation. Yeah, I, I'm just, I just, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand how Ryan Pace screwed the situation up. I, you know, he's always been pretty good about rewarding his own players. And again, this is starting to feel kind of like the Alshon Jeffrey situation where, okay, so you tag him, you piss him off more and then what, you know? So it's like, do you go out and do you draft, do you draft a receiver early on, give him a ton of playing time, which meets into Robinson's playing time. And then you kind of waste some of that money that you're using on the tag. I, I just, I don't understand the overall thought process here. Uh, I guess the only thing to really note on that is, is, you know, obviously if they tag him, then it's a set number for that year and there's no control after that. Um, But if they were to go the free agent route, I mean, if they really looked at this situation and said, you know, you know, maybe we need to sink some money into somebody who we haven't pissed off and wants to be here. There are some interesting names heading in the free agency. And obviously we have no clue at this point, who's going to get tagged and who won't. But I mean, just a few names here, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, Juju Smith-Schuster, Corey Davis, Nelson Aguilar, who had a really good year with Las Vegas and Isaiah McKenzie, who's kind of that, you know, kind of one of those up and coming guys. Um, I, I kind of liken him to Robert Woods when he was coming out of Buffalo, when he signed, um, you know, obviously not quite as big, but he's kind of to that caliber. He's not really overly proven as a overall you know like a a crazy productive receiver but he's somebody that could end up being a pretty good value signing so I mean those are just the kind of names you're looking at and obviously within the draft I mean Jalen Watt, Overshot Bateman, uh, Kadaris Tony, Chris Olave, um, you know uh, man I'm drawing a blank uh, Smith uh, the the Heisman Trophy winner why am I drawing a blank on his first name 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the, there is a ton of options out. I mean, obviously all these guys in a name, but probably not going to be there when the bears pick, I mean, keep that in mind. But the point being is, you know, if, but that's, a, that's a thing is if, if receiver was the only thing that the bears needed right now, okay, cool. You're probably in really good position. I mean, you you can create enough money to go out and make a, make a move. But again, like we've been talking about, you've got a quarterback situation where you don't know what you're going to do. And unless you're going to go out and draft somebody or basically say screw quarterback for this year and go with somebody like Nick Foles and then go with another veteran or take a swing on a, you know, an, a mid round guy, then all of a sudden, you know, you're putting pretty good amount of resources into there. And then it, like you pointed out on the offensive line, I mean, even assuming just assuming that they're, they're comfortable enough moving into next year with their interior, uh, obviously with James Daniel Daniels coming back. And then, you know, let's just say that they're comfortable with Alex bars and, and Sam Mustafer kind of fighting it out for that starting spot. And then from there, they can kind of figure out who they want to put at center, depending on who wins that battle, even assuming that would, that would be the case. You still got to replace at least one of your tackles right now. And again, okay. So let's just say you cut, you know, you cut one of those guys, you save six to $7 million, but then you look at the free agent market or you look, you know, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden, again, you're not really saving any money. You're just kind of putting money, more money in the pot to be able to sign somebody else. Or if you want to draft somebody, uh, Alex Leatherwood, um, you know, there's, there's a multitude of different names uh, within the, within the draft draft class that you can go Christian Derrissaw, uh, Rashawn Slater, maybe Jalen Mayfield, um, Eichenberg. I mean, it, it's just one of those things where, you could do that, but again, then you're eating up one of your top end resources that you have. So, and that's kind of the thing. That's where they have to, there's, if they don't have a clear plan of attack at head coach and GM, they don't know what they're doing there. Then my, my concern is where are they going to be at with the draft? Because again, I mean, the, the combine is kind of hanging out too. And that's another real big situation where we don't know, you know, if you take that out of the, the mix, you know, how does that affect, especially with testing numbers, how does that affect uh, teams evaluations of different players? And it's just, it's a very, very interesting situation that the bears are moving into this year. And again, I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on what they do at general manager and head coach. I mean, who knows? I mean, they could end up cleaning house and then whoever takes over says, yeah, this cap, this cap situation is terrible. We, you know, the offensive situation is terrible. The defense is getting older and either retool or rebuild. And all of a sudden we're not looking at a competitive team for a few years. And maybe, you know, you, you move your eye towards 2022 is the year that they really try to address the quarterback situation with the draft pick. I don't know. Um, Again, though, it's, it's a situation where the receiver spot would be a lot easier to handle with some of the names out on the free agent market and some of the names um, you know, in the top end of the draft class, but you have so many other different areas that you need to pour resources into having your top end receiver as one of those question marks really doesn't help in a situation where the offense is already really bad with Al Robinson. I mean, he was one of the main shining moment, you know, the shining bright spots on this offense. And all of a sudden you're talking about not even knowing if you're going to have him next year. I mean, the offense as a whole is just a massive disaster right now. Yeah, the offense is, it just needs a complete overhaul. And, you know, the defense is aging. You're kind of, your window's kind of closed here um, in terms of the talent that you have on defense with all the money that you've spent um, on, on big name players that just right now aren't producing. And you watch Eddie Jackson, that Saints game. You can't pay him that much money to not produce like that. That was probably the worst game Eddie Jackson's had in his career. And I fear that this window is closing and... When I look at it, uh, you know, I saw this on Twitter uh, from our friend Brad Spielberger at uh, Pro Football Focus. 
the Bears are actually closer to the number one pick in 2022 NFL draft than they are as a contender in terms of the 2021 roster. Now, you still have free agency to go. You still have the NFL draft to go. But the realization is the Bears don't have a lot of cap space right now. And the players that they could cut to free up cap space, you look at Buster Screen's probably gone. That that concussion um, injury lasted a long time, and, and I think he could be ready to hang it up. So you can move on from him. You know, you probably won't re-sign Cordell Patterson. You can move on from Jimmy Graham to save some money. You can move on from Akeem Hicks to save some money. You can move on from Charles Leno and Bobby Massey. You can maybe rework Kyle Fuller's deal. They just don't have a lot of cap space unless they, unless they make a lot of moves. And they also don't have a lot of players signed um, in, in terms of 2021 status. So whatever GM comes in, or if it is Ryan Pace, again, they have a tough, tough challenge ahead of them to get this roster to where it needs to be in order to be a contender. And you still don't have the quarterback. And first round, I wouldn't advocate taking anyone you know, not named Zach Wilson, not named Justin Fields, or not named Trevor Lawrence in that first round. Maybe Trey Lance falls to you at 20. I'd rather go with the plan of taking a quarterback in the second or third. But even if you do that and that doesn't pan out, I don't really – I'm not in favor of tanking all the time, but I would rather see this team tank and try to get the number one pick because next year's draft class looks like it's going to be a really good one with a lot of names at the top that could be top five, top six. So I would probably go that route – I just, it's, it sucks that we're already talking about not having confidence in a franchise in terms of the roster for the 2021 season because of, you know, they, they don't have the quarterback position set. They don't have a lot of cap space. They have issues with a lot of high paid players on defense with not having a lot of money to spend. Um, it's just, it's very frustrating. And it's, for me, you know, with no fans and you're not getting that revenue from the fans and the cap space is probably going to stay you know, the same going into next year, maybe raise a little bit more. It, it's, it's very disappointing. And now what's, you know, with what's going on with not making any changes as of, as of now and all this stuff, it's just, this franchise just feels like a complete disaster right now. I mean, is that too, am I going overboard? Is that, is that too much? Is If no, I hit the nuclear well, button? Mean, <laughs> no, I, I, but I mean, this is when you really zoom out again, I mean, I, and I continue to say this over the last few weeks, but when you really zoom out over the last few decades, by and large, this team has been, this franchise has been a disaster. And there's three common threads. There's three common threads and that's George McCaskey, Virginia McCaskey and Ted Phillips. I mean, that's really what this comes down to. And again, with them being in charge and making the decisions on the football side, this is what we get. We get a George McCaskey that's sitting there, you know, beating his head against a wall, trying to figure out what he wants to do two days after a playoff game in which they went eight and eight after a six game losing streak when they went three and four or three and one over the last four games to sneak really back into the playoffs. These are the kind of things where whether people like to hear this or not, the reality of it is, is the Bears have bad ownership that do not know football. The McCaskies do not know football well enough to not have a better power structure up front with somebody in an executive spot that actually knows football outside of the general manager and trickling down. This is the issue. This is what we consistently have seen with this team. Again, over the last 20, 30 years, 
there's always been a coaching carousel. There's always been a GM carousel. It's like the most ability that they had was with uh, Jerry Angelo and, and Levy Smith. And even that, that didn't produce a Super Bowl, but produced a few different playoff runs and whatever else. But again, they still couldn't, they couldn't field a complete team. It was always the defense. And that's, again, that's kind of the issue here is now the Bears are caught in the position where they already started the week late and we're pretty much wrapping up you know, Tuesday and there's been absolutely nothing to come out of house hall. There hasn't been anything on, you know, from basically anything that Nagy would leak, anything that pace would leak, anything that Phillips would leak anything. I mean, there's nothing, anything from the McCaskies, there's nothing which tells me that they don't know what the hell they're doing, that they don't know what the plan is moving forward and that the people's jobs that are at stake, they don't know if they're going to have a job within the next few days. They don't know if they're going to be running this team or be with this team in 2021. That, that is what is just crazy to me right now is that there's so much indecision. And again, it's not like this was some blindsided thing. I mean, again, the bears started off five and one, they lost six in a row. The bears haven't lost six in a row in a long, long time. And I get it. You know, Matt Nagy, you know, rebounded, won three of his last four. Those three wins were against really bad teams. But here's the reality of the situation. Again, they the way that they approached this last offseason with the resources that they had, they went all in, right? They they traded for Nick Foles. They signed Robert Quinn to this big deal. They did all this different stuff. They went all in, their version of all in, with the resources that they had. They were never a true contender. Even the games when they were five and one, even the games that they won, they didn't win them in good fashion. Everybody around the NFL, everybody that covered, that watched, that did anything to do with the NFL had called the Bears fraudulent from the very beginning because we all saw how they were winning games and how that just simply wasn't sustainable, a lot of it because of the offense. So they lose six games in a row right there, halfway through that losing streak, at the end of that losing streak, at that point, the, the McCaskies have to have a plan in place. They have to say, okay, regardless of what happens or we're going to set, you know, if, if they don't want a playoff game, then everybody goes. And, you know, or whatever it is, they've, they've got to set that bar. And then from there, once you set that bar, you have to start lining up candidates. You have to start lining up a plan. Again, I don't think the McCaskies know football very well at all. I don't blame Virginia for that. I mean, she's in her 90s. It is what it is. But let's be honest here. George may be a nice guy. He doesn't know football. He's not a football mind. So at that point in time, you start lining up. You say, okay, we, we may not fully commit to this because we're going to see how things play out over the next four weeks or four plus weeks. But we need to have a plan in place. We need to have a hiring firm or two in place. That is the point of having your president of football and that's the thing is Ted Phillips is, again, not that guy. He's not a football guy. He's a business guy. He's made the Bears a lot of money over the years. Great. He's, you know, but again, this is where the structure of not having any good football mind in the building outside of your GM and your coaches and everything else and your scouts, that's where this kind of stuff shoots you in the foot because not only do you not have a plan in place, you don't even know how to go about the plan in order to formulate something. And this is where we're at. I mean, it. It, it, okay, cool. They were eight and eight. They made the playoffs. The only reason they made the playoffs is because the Arizona Cardinals choked and they beat, they basically had a favorable, favorable schedule and everything, literally everything broke their way. They lost the last game of the season in the game, which they should have had to win to get in the playoffs. Arizona lost to a backup quarterback because their backup quarterback came into the game. That does not change the fact that over the last two years, they have been eight and eight both years. There has been virtually no improvement and I would say, honestly, I mean, when you look at the last two years, 
as a whole, I mean, really, the, the teams are pretty similar in, in different ways, but they're pretty similar in the fact that they're just not good. They're not good football teams. They're mediocre football teams. And that's the point is you go through this long rebuild process with Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace has now been the general manager for six full seasons. Six full seasons. He's had two head coaches, six full seasons. I mean, at what point – you look at this and you say, at what point – do you need to evaluate him more? At what point do you need to see more? Because the thing is, is you don't rebuild to get in the playoffs. You don't rebuild to get in the playoffs and lose in the first round. We just saw two teams with giant playoff droughts in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns went out without a head coach, without half their coaching staff, and they blew the Pittsburgh Steelers out of the water. And then you look at the Bears and you look at what they've done. The rebuild ends, they trade for Mac, they think they've got their quarterback in Trubisky, they go 12-4, and there's a disappointing playoff loss, okay, cool, come back the next year and build on that. They should have been a Super Bowl contender the next year, what do they do? They go 8-8, and they come back this year, they go 8-8, and they back into the playoffs, they never had a chance, nobody picked them, they were the biggest underdogs of the entire wild card round, and this is where we're at. So here's the thing, you went through the rebuild, you look like you were at a point where you're going to have a contender. And again, this is a question that they have to ask themselves and especially George McCaskey right now. And I think we all know the answer to this question. How close are they, how close are they to being as good as the green Bay Packers? Can you honestly answer that question? Cause I can tell you right now, at least objectively not speaking, close. they're not even close. Yeah. Not close. So, so if they're not close to being as good as the green Bay Packers, that's, that's the best team in your division. Right. We're, we're, we're just talking. That's the best team out of three other teams that you're in a division with. Then you combine that and you say, OK, so then you start looking, you start looking at a weak NFC. Who are they better than? How, how can they get to a point where they could be better than those teams realistically in one offseason? And I don't I don't think they can. And then you look at the AFC with all the loaded talent that they have between, like I said, the Browns, um, you know, the the Bills, the Chiefs. Um, you know, the, the, the Ravens who've come on, I mean, even the Steelers, I mean, when you really start looking at this and you, and you really start saying, okay, how can you consider this team a Super Bowl contender when at very best, you can probably say that they're, they may be the 13th or 14th best team, even with a good off season, not even a top 10 team. If the question is, if they're not even considered a top five team with a chance to be able to beat anybody and a chance to be able to win a Super Bowl, then you've already done things wrong because you went through a really long rebuild. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. And at that point, you've got to make decisions. And again, and I know people aren't going to like to hear this, but the Bears are at a spot where they don't have enough resources to really capitalize on the window that they had, which a lot of their window was dependent on their defense and a lot of high paid players on that defense side of the ball. If your window is closed, then at that point, you've got to retool at minimum. And more realistically, you've maybe not as long as what they did last time, but you've got to rebuild at this point. I mean, that's just kind of where it's at. And that's where they need to figure out if they're going to prolong this another year and take another swing and let Ryan Pace do more damage to future cap and more damage to future draft picks. Or if they're finally going to pull the plug and say, okay, we have an issue. We thought we'd arrived. We thought the rebuild was successful. Clearly it was not. We're in a better spot than we were when Phil Emery left, but we've got to make some changes and we've got to build back up at that point. And that's really where we're at. And frankly, I just, I, the fact that the bears as an organization can't sit down and, and evaluate that is very, very, very concerning. Well said Aaron. And, and kind of to end that point, everything that you said should not be used to describe a franchise like the Chicago bears, a charter franchise, a storied franchise It's embarrassing. It is flat out embarrassing. They have the sixth longest playoff drought without a win. 
They haven't won a playoff game since 2011 when they beat the, uh, who was it? Or Seattle Seahawks, a, a seven and nine Seattle Seahawks team. It's, and, and, and someone pointed this out to me, they haven't had a playoff win against a team 500 or better since 2006, the 2006 season. It's just, it's embarrassing. We, you and I should not be t- having to talk about this and, and using those terms and exactly what you said about the Chicago Bears. You have to figure it out. And it does come down to its management, its ownership. It's, you know, the McCaskey family, it's Ted Phillips. It's all of that. It, it's not, you know, it's Ryan Pace missing on draft picks that are key. Granted, he's been pretty good in those day two, day threes, but trading up for Anthony Miller, trading up for Mitch Trubisky, that costs you your future. And, and you know, people want to blame the Cleo Mack trade, whatever. They thought they had their quarterback. They thought they had a window to win it. They probably did have a small window. I can't blame them for that, but just the constant misses in the first round and the constant, you know, bad mistakes that they're making, going out and trading for Nick Foles and signing Robert Quinn to a big deal. It's just, it's pathetic football, pathetic management. And we should never be echoing those thoughts about the Chicago Bears ever. It's just, it's embarrassing, man. It's, I'm sick of watching the Green Bay Packers year after year after year after year be good. And I'm sick of watching other teams. Like you said, the Cleveland Browns did it without key members of their roster. They literally picked up a guy off the streets, off their practice squad to start. Baker Mayfield never met this guy on the offensive line. I can't remember if it was left tackle, left guard. Never met him. The guy didn't allow a single pressure in the game against the Steelers. And they did it without their head coach as well. It's like, you know, the Bears, man, they're just so frustrating to me. And what they're doing now with this radio silence tells me they have no idea what they're doing. They have no clue what they're going to do. They are just completely clueless right now. And I hate to rip on them and I hate to do this, but it's just, it's pathetic, man. It is absolutely pathetic. They, It's just embarrassing for a lot of, and I, I know I speak for a lot of fans. I know what you said is for a lot of fans as well. It's just it's like, figure it out, man. Just figure it out. Well, and I think, I think the big thing to kind of keep in mind here for anybody that listens to the podcast and anybody that reads what we write, I mean, we are fans. Like we, we are fans too. Like we grew up watching this team. Like we've all put a lot, a lot of work, a lot of extra work into covering this team into thinking about it. And obviously that's not to say that people that aren't listening aren't either, but it's just to show that we're on the same level as, is, is anybody listening? We're, we're fans of this team too. We're emotionally invested too. So it's a situation where it just kind of comes down to, you can't continue to be optimistic with this team. You can't continue to have the homeristic view that you would like, I'm a White Sox fan right now. I'm thinking, okay, the White Sox are one of the best teams in the, in the American league. You know, they're going to be a World Series contender this year. You know, whether that whether that holds out to be true or not, whether other people believe that because of what they have done with their rebuild and what they've done to put themselves in position, I feel optimistic about that team. Now, I look at a team like the Bears, who are my first love and my true love, and I cannot objectively say the same thing because of like I said, we're three years this team is three years out of a rebuild and here we are and it's again we could sit here and we could beat a dead horse but the the reality of it is until we know what direction that this franchise is moving in it's it's tough and again i mean we're fans of this of this team too um and and again like 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 you pointed out i mean the bears are a charter franchise i mean they are the charter franchise in the nfl 
this should not be an issue. This should not. It's, I mean, look at some of the other the other franchises that have been around a while, and like you pointed out, the Packers, the Steelers, the, the different teams out there that have been around a while, and you don't see these prolonged um, periods of just down. And that's where the Bears have been at for quite a while. And it's very frustrating. And it's again, like, I, it's not to say that Ryan Pace hasn't done good things. It's not to say that Matt Nagy hasn't done good things, because I honestly, the, the 2018 season was one of the most fun seasons I've ever had watching. I mean, I, I that was probably the most optimistic I had been in a while. And I think a lot of that was not just for the 2018 season, but that they, it felt like they were building something. And obviously that wasn't the case, but the, the feeling between watching that 2018 playoff game and everything that led up to it versus watching the playoff game this last Sunday against the Saints, very, very, very different feelings. And again, if you'd have told me four or five years ago, like, hey, you know, the Bears are going to play in a playoff game and you're not going to be remotely excited about it, I would have I would have probably laughed. I'd have been like, you're crazy as hell. This is I watch the playoffs every year and say, I cannot wait until the Bears are in the playoffs. But here we were you know, on Sunday where I don't think a lot of people were excited for the playoff game because I think a lot of people understood where this team was at, what to expect going into the game, the fact that they weren't going to win. And again, I mean, there was just multiple national embarrassments and it happened last year too, especially against the Chiefs, but there were multiple national embarrassments um, this year that happened with the Bears. And again, I mean, if anything, if, if, if there's one thing to really hang on, uh, for the McCaskies and you really want to get meatball about it, you know, it's, it really comes down to, you got embarrassed on national TV multiple times, but more importantly, you got an, embarrassed on national TV twice by your hated rival in the Green Bay Packers. And that's really where it should be because the bears aren't even close. And I mean, they're not even close to being as good as the Packers. And how are you supposed to, you know, how are you supposed to contend for a Super Bowl if you're not even the same realm as your, your division rival, it just, again, I mean, we, we could beat a dead horse all day, um, but, you know, just know, I mean, this, this, this isn't, you know, some big media and we really hate the Bears. Like, it has nothing to do with that. We're, we're emotionally invested in this team, too. We put a lot of time into this team, too, and thinking about it and writing about them and doing, doing everything else. This comes from, as weird as it sounds, this comes from a place of love, but I think that this also comes from a big place of, of reflection and understanding that, you know, the team that we love to watch and the team that we get to, that we have a guaranteed 16 games a year, 16 games over a four-month period every single year, that team, that team has a lot of questions to answer and there is not many answers to go around right now and that should be concerning for a lot of fans. I agree hundred percent, Aaron. And it's, it's, it's crazy. Hopefully we'll hear something, um, you know, by the time people are listening to this podcast on Wednesday, um, I can't imagine this thing dragging out longer than that. Uh, we're going to wrap things up though, with, uh, some predictions before we do that, though, let's hit our final break of the show. And welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. So Aaron, let's just kind of wrap things up. I mean, you and I have both given our thoughts, a lot of thoughts here on what's going on, um, with the situation with the bears kind of, you know, radio silence out at Hellas hall. Um, but you know, let, let's, let's make some predictions on what we think is going to happen in terms of, you know, firings or someone coming back, what direction they're going in. Um, I'll go first. And, and this is my gut, my best guess. I think Matt Nagy's safe. Um, I think they're going to keep Matt Nagy. I think what all these meetings and everything that they're going through right now is Ryan Pace's job status. I said it last week to a couple of people, um, I even think I told you I, I was 50-50 on Ryan Pace staying or going um, as my gut feeling. 
So if I had to make another prediction right now, I'm still 50-50, but I'll lean towards, I think they make a change with him. Um, I think, you know, Chuck Pagano could be a scapegoat here. Maybe they give a new GM the opportunity to evaluate um, Matt Nagy, kind of what the Bears did. Um, or not the Bears, I'm sorry, the Bulls did with the, with their GM change and their kind of front office shakeup, let the coach eval- be evaluated for two weeks. That one didn't take long because they're moving on from Jim Boylan anyway. Um, yeah, I think that'll be my prediction for it. I, I think, you know, they're really going over all their options and everything's on the table for them. Um, and that's why it's taken so long. I, I truly think they didn't have their mind made up yet and they're just kind of mulling over stuff. But, you know, I'll say Nagy stays, Pace goes and uh, Pagano goes as well. Yeah, I'm I'm going to say pretty much the same exact thing, uh, whether that's pace goes as a whole, whether pace gets moved in like a football operations front office type situation where he's not actually making any decisions and kind of overseeing things and they change the structure and they bring in a new GM. I do think there's going to be a new GM one way or another. Um, and whether that GM has the power to actually make the decision on Matt Nagy or not, I guess, we'll, or, you know, in 2021, I, I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, I think the same thing with Chuck Pagano. I think, you know, it, again, I mean, and not to say that he doesn't really deserve to not get fired because I, I, I think, you know, I think you can make a reasonable argument that the defense took a step back. And I think schematically speaking, um, he didn't do a very good job. Uh, but I do think, yeah, he's definitely going to be one of those guys that all, honestly actually wouldn't surprise me either um, to see Mike Furry go. Um, I, I, I think, you know, when you, yeah, I'm trying to be nice about this, but when you, when you look and see what he's done or the lack of what he's done with the receivers uh, for the most part, I mean, you know, obviously you can't discredit him with Anthony Miller, Javon Wims, Riley Ridley, and then also, you know, not give him credit for Darnell Mooney. But I mean, I, I just named four guys. I just named four guys that they drafted and well um, you know, only one of those guys really seems like he's going to end up being something. So I think he's another one that could probably end up going when it's all said and done, but I don't think there's going to be any like massive changes where they're going to do a full on clean out. Um, but I do think there are going to be some changes. And again, like I've kind of felt the last few weeks, I think you, you agree. And I think you've been in the same boat. I think Ryan Pace's job is more at risk right now and, and, and justifiably so. Yeah. Hopefully we hear some news soon. There's been some uh, chirpings on Twitter that we might get something public. Um, coming very soon, which that could mean Tuesday night, could mean Wednesday morning. I, I, like I said, I can't imagine this, this goes on until Wednesday afternoon. I, I think, I mean, come on, after all these days of meetings and, you know, when we say meetings, it doesn't mean, oh, they're just meeting for a few hours during the day. I, I imagine a lot of these meetings are early in the morning and last, you know, potentially into the night, some of them as well. So we'll see. And uh, as always, you know, check back with the Bear Report. We'll have everything covered. Um, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yeah, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Perfect. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z A C K underscore Pearson. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. If anything breaks, I'll be back with a very special episode. Um, but as always, keep it locked into us, and, and we'll offer our thoughts and, and keep you up to date with everything that's going on. Till then, everyone, please stay safe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.